0: The following program is presented by the HTM Podcast Network. This is your- Friday, May 10th, 2019, and you are tuned into the weekly flagship here at the HTM Podcast Network, powered by the Roar Network at GorillaPosition.com. presented by Hami Media, and in association with Last Word on Pearl Wrestling.com. On this week's show, we're talking the live WWE experience, Impact Wrestling, AEW, ROH, and the best of the Super Juniors. But before we dive in, it's my obligation to remind you this is a podcast by the fans for the fans, Bring you all the news that is news from across professional wrestling world. Find us online at hittingthemarks.com on social media, Pod. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day, but give it up for my tag team partner, the Thompson to my Curry, RBB. Rick, welcome back to your show
1: it's me it's me it's that art of the beat of the B. Rick the brick bakery back again and hitting the more pro wrestling podcast the jargon before we jump into uh a uh, heck of a lot to cover before we jump in let me ask you we're the same age you know going back probably around high school maybe junior high this came up thing for you know i don't know if it was there but you know it was where i was going to school did you guys ever play the circle game
0: of course yeah, so you're talking about this Cubs controversy, I'm sure.
1: Well, I, no, I was going to say, you know, we were playing the game there. Obviously, for those that were living under a rock here at that time, maybe this is what it was. Is it, you just kind of, you know, make the circle between your index and your and your thumb, and you present it below your waist. If someone is looking at it, then they are, you know, you are allowed one good clean shot on their arm. Uh, all those years doing that, didn't realize that we were actually just white supremacists.
0: Yeah, I've never heard this. I, I actually heard that for the first time, like yesterday, maybe two days ago, the 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 racial connotation of it. I'd never heard of that, ever.
1: Uh, I had never heard it before either. Uh, apparently, uh, apparently, now they're linking it to, I mean, we're going back uh, decades, 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 maybe even a century, uh, that the, so there was like small groups that might have used it as like, just to let you know that you were a part Of I don't know the clan or within some kind of white group or club something like that Uh, They're linking it all the way back to then what is involved to into a kids game now the Cubs have actually uh, They have banned an individual for flashing the image while on air. Uh, He is banned from the stadium So I I guess it's you know, it's goodbye the coast the the curse of the goat and now welcome the the curse of the white man
0: Oh my god (laughs) It's just, it's so Chicago and it's so left and it's just, I think they're just making stuff up. That's what I think. I think, I think they're on the Dave Meltzer track. I think we're just making
1: stuff up so that we have something to argue about. Well, oh, oh, let's just, let's also forget that the, that the franchise itself uh, has just welcomed back a wife beater uh, from a couple game games suspension.
0: Don't care if he wins games, especially in Chicago. It's a true story. Speaking of awful experiences, Huckleberry, you had one this past Monday night. You went to Monday Night Raw live in Cincinnati OH... Uh, I.O., we've talked a lot about the live experience on the show, but, you know, I I believe it was fourth quarter last year. Vince McMahon said that we were going to reimagine the live show experience. So it's time to to reimagine it here, Huckleberry. What all did they change? I mean, we, 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 we know what a drag the WWE live experience has been. Tell us how much better it was this past Monday night in Cincinnati, Ohio.
1: Well, you know, this is something that I have been on since we've started this program. And it's one of the, you know, the angles, the aspects that when I, when I approach the business where I like to apply my expertise is getting into events and marketing, uh, you know, things of those, that nature. Time after time, it continues to repeat itself. WWE has a major issue when it comes to providing an exciting atmosphere with inside their live events. There is nothing overly attractive about it, not even one to just get you through the door, as we've seen this time after time. Uh, I will say I I, will talk about how much was tarped off in the attendance here in a moment. But, you know, nothing like it was a decade ago, two decades ago, where, you know, it was you were selling out. You couldn't find tickets. You know, it it was everything you could do to make sure you were in there. Uh, Now plenty of seats available across across the country. That's just not for television. That's that's like for even house show.
0: You know, I remember the first time I went to a Monday Night Raw taping um, because it wasn't live. We were the the alternate week um, down in Moline, Illinois, and I remember going to get tickets For that show, you had to be in line like two hours before the tickets even went on sale at your local grocery store, who happened to have a Ticketmaster outlet, and then cross your damn fingers that maybe, just maybe, you could get tickets if you stood there for two freaking hours. Now you can just walk up and grab twenty dollars tickets. It's
1: absolutely insane. Well, I'm going to say that you know the arena there in Cincinnati, it's it's a decent size. Uh, You know, it's not a a major market arena for them. Uh, The entire upper deck tarped off. Uh, So I'm going to say, you know, that's probably you're looking at, what, 14 so sections there. Uh, Obviously, you know, the stage area that takes up a good portion there. Uh, But, you know, the the bottom bowl, I mean, it was full Uh, and it it was a good sized crowd. And the hard side was packed. More
0: importantly, I, you've been to several events inside of this same building. How did it draw compared to the event that you were at a year ago inside that building? Was it pretty comparable, or was it more or less attended?
1: I, um, I think you know honestly what the difference was. There was more there was more in attendance at this show, but we typically get Smackdowns in Cincinnati. Okay, Cincinnati's more of a Smackdown. Uh, you know, live yeah. audience. Uh, so I think it was a little more enticing. When you when you get a Raw, we're just conditioned. You know, Raw is the A show.
0: And instead, you get SmackDown Live presents Monday Night Raw.
1: <laughs> Essentially. Uh, but again, you know, coming in, uh, I knew exactly where I was going. I, I didn't want to mess with the crowd. But I, I went in the main entrance because I had to go to Will Call and drop off some tickets. I went in the main entrance, and I had to walk through, like, two corridors didn't see one merchandise stand. And usually, you know, that's where I'm interested. I'm going to find a merchandise stand to see if they're available. I wasn't going out of my way. If they were going to try to pull me in at the, the main entrance into the arena where the vast majority of the people are coming in at if they're not going to take the time to set something up there and have, you know, stands, they should be, you know, bombarding individuals with merchandise in that area. Every chance you get the opportunity, you you want those kids to have their eyes on, you know, the Becky Lynch, whatever, uh, the Roman Reign T-shirts. You don't get that from a sales point. Uh, As you're walking in, there is there is no sense of I remember going into Rawls back in the 90s. I mean, you felt that vibe going in there. And I, I always say they would have like legends out there waiting, you know, greeting you You could talk and all this. Again, there's nothing like that. It's about just the hustle and hustle. Get to your seat. And then even throughout the show, we talked about this last week. I I can't remember if we were talking about it in in the the locker room or here on the Hitting Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. Man, the transitions from what we're seeing in television to what's happening inside the arena there, absolutely terrible. I mean, they just suck. They continue to suck the energy out of that live audience, you know, left and right. And and that's when you see – because. I was fortunate enough this time around they didn't cut the, um, the cable feeds into the private boxes. So we had television and I could see what was happening live there so I could see the transitions. And week after week, you know, when we're in like the live discussions with everyone and, you know, whatever rushing circle you're running, people make these, you know, make these comparisons or these complaints. It's like, man, this crowd is dead. It's because they, they set them up for that. They set it up that way. They're setting themselves up for failure. Yeah. And we,
0: I was actually having this conversation with uh, Mr. Ryan K. Bowman over at the gorilla dot com had put up a thread uh, talking about Becky Lynch and how Becky Lynch is not nearly as over now as she was six months ago. And, and the crowds just aren't into her. And I came to Becky's defense and we talked I think it was Monday inside of the locker room where we were talking about this terrible new trend that they've been doing and they've been doing it for months. And I notice it particularly with Becky. Simply because she's the hottest thing on WWE television and has been for months They hit her music, you get that initial pop She comes walking out on the stage and the place is going absolutely crazy And then they go to commercial And Becky gets in the ring, and they kill the lights, and they run their bad WWE Network promos or whatever on the damn screen. And that continues for three to five minutes, depending on how long the commercial break is. And then if we go to a video package backstage, and then 30 seconds before we come back live, they hit the lights, and they crank the music back up, and we're live. And the crowd's like, what the hell just happened? It's not that they're not into Becky Lynch. It's that they're killing their own freaking heat. This is like the most basic of basic television practices. Like 20 years ago, you would get a shot of Stone Cold Steve Austin walking through the hallway like, oh, God, he's making his way to Gorilla. And that place would start to buzz. You'd start to get that feeling. And then they would go to break and they would come back from break and hit the goddamn glass and the place would come freaking unglued. They didn't have Stone Cold Steve Austin just standing in a dark ring for five freaking minutes waiting for a cue from Bucky to say, okay,
1: go. Well, you know, even the speech, if you are going to be in the ring like that, let's go back, you know, to one of the greats who's Uh Chris Jericho, when the gimmick was listing his moves and they'd go to a commercial on him, he would sit there and still work the audience them hot, you know, he would just switch gears into going into just insult, randomly insulting, uh, to keep them hot, and then he'd get the cue, and he'd just go right back to his moves. Like, so it was, it was like. And what I would suggest, if they do insist on, you know, trying to get that, and it's a tease to try to hold the the home audience through the break, is oh, Becky's in the ring here, which what's, what's going to happen if you're going, to, if you're. If it is an absolute that you're going to have them in the ring, then please, you know, there was a couple of times where they did just go dark and, but usually they would put in uh, some kind of network plug or a WrestleMania video and please stop reminding us that the only time you get it right once here is WrestleMania, arguably, uh, and living off that stupid video package. Do something that keeps the crowd really interested. You know, have Becky fired up, you know, hey, you know, we got a little bit of break how about some of my best moment? How about some of our best moments together and play like a really hot Becky promo to keep that crowd invested in her. Anything you
0: can do to keep the crowd invested because as it is, when the music goes down, the lights go down, people sit down and they wait mm-hmm. for five
1: freaking minutes, five freaking minutes. And that's the problem. Uh, and th- there was two, and even the transitions there, instead of just the like the little video packages, I mean, you can go to any like major league baseball does this great. The minor league baseball does this tremendous too, because you have those dead, you have so many dead periods within, uh, you know, a baseball game. Play games with the audience through your your Tron. Uh, they did this on two occasions, but I really didn't like how they presented it. Uh, I felt really bad for one of the kids. They put him on the spot. They had a, a little boy and a little girl, kind of. Go head to head. And they each had 30 seconds to identify uh, a superstar by their nickname. And you could tell like the, the poor little boy, man, he froze. He only got like three. But one of his that was so good, though. So even in that itself, you know, it make it where it's just not you're singling out some kid. Eh? Have like bring a kid on because it's great. They're going to be on the screen. But give them some choices and let the audience cheer and get behind them and help them out. It uh, reminds me of how they do the shuffle of the baseball under the helmets here in Cincinnati. They do a, a cheese coney from Skyline che- uh, Cheese Cheese under the helmets, and they do the shuffle game. And then if the kid guesses which one it's under, then the whole row wins a cheese cone. So they, the whole arena is helping, it. something like that. But he did have. So going back to this kid, though, they're 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 you know the big dog Roman Reigns, uh, the last kicker Becky Lynch. So they get to him and they ask you best in the world. It, without hesitation, he's like, see am punk.
0: Good on you, kid. Good on
1: you. Yeah, great, great stuff.
0: Uh, the other thing that really stood out to me watching the WWE product this week, and we'll, we'll actually talk about some wrestling stuff. This is just more the the, the, the overall view Um uh, these commercial breaks during matches. And I understand, you know, sometimes you're going to have a match that runs long, but we saw it monday on raw and then we saw it tuesday on smackdown we're cutting away from championship matches for three to four minutes at a time and it what what really got me thinking about it was watching game seven of the stanley cup playoffs you know what they don't do during the stanley cup playoffs under any circumstances do they cut away from the action. We'll load you up on commercial breaks in between periods if there happens to be a timeout, but you know at any given moment in time there could be the game-winning goal scored during a Game 7 of the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs. I want to believe that a pinfall could happen at any given moment in time and the WWE Championship could change hands. And during that triple threat match Monday on Raw, that was a three segment match. They could not only
1: cut away once, they cut away twice. Wait, I was, uh, you know, with, with the shakeup about, you know, we were shaking it up over in the Hami Media Group. Uh, so I did a spot with them on the Wednesday locker room. We were talking just about this, you know, in a sense, you know, Bella was pointing out each and every week. It's so ironic that we know we're going to get that pin at, uh, you know, 1159 e- or 1059 East because we got that hard out. And to me, you know, that goes back to you, know, you can easily employ, you know, an old school tactic that, that had worked for years, years with uh, professional wrestling. And it's a this is our main event. And it is the time limit of whatever we have left on television. Or if make a We hit 11 o'clock. It's a draw.
0: Or make something feel very, very special and tell tell the audience right off the bat, listen, we're front loading the show with commercials because the WWE championship is going to be on the line in the main event and we're going to bring it to you commercial free and say that you run a half hour of Raw straight because the championship is on the line. People will forgive you for a five-minute commercial break instead of a a three-and-a-half-minute commercial break because this is a big freaking deal. The championship is on the line, on television.
1: Even even again, why aren't they employing their own practices of what we see on SmackDown Live where they could give us the picture-in-picture?
0: Right. Right. Like that, there's and now this Tuesday on SmackDown, they used it for entrances. They didn't even show us a match; they were showing us entrances in the picture-in-picture. Picture. I, I, I don't understand. I just don't understand. Was there anything else from the live experience that really stood out to you this time
1: around, Huckleberry? You know, again, this goes back to you know the argument of, of Raw needs to be two hours versus three hours, and how do you make up that revenue? These events are, are so long and, and I really feel for the families, especially, you know, with the younger kids but, and they got to get up, you know, just not just going to work, but the kids got to go to school and we're, and, you know, if for the most part, as fans, we talk about, it's just so hard to sit through three hours of it on television. Well, heck those people that are there, they've been there for four and a half hours. You know, the, the doors get open. You got the hustle to bustle trying to get in there. You, you've got some dark matches I mean this is a long night by the time you get out of you know just here, so you know compared with east coast time by the time you get out of that arena get to the car you're out of the garage you're at midnight then you got to head on wherever your destination is to get home i mean so you might be out till one o'clock in the evening yeah for for an event like this and that is very it's very taxing on a family and you could tell as you're exiting you know especially with the little ones. someone like you know. Like you, her size, you would be carrying her to the oh, car. Oh yeah,
0: oh yeah, absolutely.
1: And it gets to that point at about nine fifteen Eastern, so we're about an hour fifteen into the actual television show. But you know, we're t- over two hours in for the that live audience. That is when the the crowd really started to fade into now. Interesting, and, and it's just so hard to really bring them back. Now, they started perking a little bit at times. Uh, the Funhouse brought them back a little bit. Uh, But as I was talking to uh, Adam Rivera about this, you know, he kept he was asking because he's he's picking up each week. It seems when they cut to the live audience, they're not really getting it. It's very hard to hear, especially those puppets, what's being said inside that arena with the funhouse. But it was pretty funny. The kids all start dancing and jumping around, especially the little ones. You know, that they're getting that blues Clues vibe, you know, something that they'd see on Nick Jr., and to the box, to the, to the right of me, this one kid, he's absolutely loving it. He's, he's, his whole heart's into it. And then they showed that rabbit's head and he lost it. He started freaking out. It was perfect.
0: Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. The Bray Wyatt thing is, uh, I feel like it's still kind of a work in progress because as uh, much I'm as, still, as
1: I'm still digging it, I think there's so much possibility this thing could get so deep in the minute.
0: I, and I agree with you but eventually it has to translate into a live experience and take place inside of a 20 by 20 ring. And I I'm, I'm really struggling to see how this is going to translate without being super overly cheesy. Like, cause this, I like, I like where this is, but it needs to be more Doink the clown and not Adam Rose. And I don't know as though I trust Vince McMahon with that.
1: Well, you know, regular, you know, even uh, our brothers over on Turnbuckle Talk, you know, they've gone back and forth on this thing. Uh, and I think you and Big Joe might be hung up a little too much, as others are, hung up on what we're seeing now. Maybe the in-ring is the next evolution of this character, where, where he, he goes to that more, you know, that, that darker side that this thing seems to be going towards. Maybe that's what the in-ring is. I guess
0: while it exists inside of its own universe right now, I think it's cool. But as soon as it comes into the live WWE universe, that's where my concern lies. And only time will tell, really. You know?
1: It'll be interesting to see how they play it out.
0: Let's talk a little bit about Impact Wrestling because uh, Impact Wrestling has now launched Impact Plus. It's uh, no longer the global wrestling network and people are being migrated over to this new platform. Um, Rick, the the pricing information is very, very long and drawn out because now you can get the Impact pay-per-views directly through the app. And when you do so, then you get like a free month worth of Impact Plus, and there's all the details. I don't have it all here in front of me. But when you actually figure it up, this thing comes up to about $13 a month, and it'll give you the Impact uh, pay-per-views. You'll be able to watch Impact Wrestling on the app itself a couple of days after it airs. And it sounds like... All of their Twitch specials are going to be moving to Impact Plus, which kind of brings up a couple of issues that we've talked about with Ring of Honor. I Hell, we even talked about it with Mr. Ian Riccaboni when he was on the show about issues with Honor Club. And that's really what I wanted to talk to you about. Do you watch any of these Twitch specials that Impact has been putting
1: out? I, I Occasionally. It's... And it's not something, you know, I, not, this is nothing against impact. It's just one of those things where I, I forget about it. And, and there's so much other content that, that, that I'm personally consuming. Uh, but occasionally, you know, especially if I have to be in the group at the time or sitting on the laptop doing some work. And, you know, William, I see, he's, he's like religiously there. Uh, I know the impact attack guys are, you know, they're regularly checking out, you know, just because it's part of their job. But uh, I've jumped in there a few times and I, I really I like how different it is. I like the dynamic of it. Uh, you know, we're kind of talking about transitions uh, from, you know, when you've got your commercials to what's going on. I like how they handle it on Twitch there, where they go live, where you can get some, you know, some insight from Mr. Callis and uh, and Matthews. And then they usually have a couple guests on there, uh, giving you some insight into what's going on or, you know, what, you know, what the process was behind you know putting the show together. I, I think that's, you know, some cutting edge stuff, some things that they need to do to stand out in, in a very in a very crowded marketplace
0: now my issue becomes a lot of these shows when i look at the cards and i've watched a few of them here um they're basically just indie shows and then they have impact talent who comes on and wrestles the local indie talent and it gives a rub to the independent promotion it gets the impact people on tv gets them a win in a lot of cases so I'm I'm absolutely behind that in theory and in concept. The problem, though, is it exists mostly outside of the Impact Wrestling narrative. It, there's not a whole lot of storyline development that goes into these shows. They don't build up these shows on television. They're just kind of there for the consumer to watch the product, which is fine. I'm absolutely cool with that. My fear is in moving those specials to impact plus that we're going to run into an honor club issue where we had ring of honor, basically functioning on two different timelines there at the launch of the network, because you had the live honor club timeline. And then you had the television timeline because much like impact wrestling, they tape their shows. I don't want to see impact make these same mistakes but you can just see it coming. You can see it coming from a mile away where they're going to change a title on one of these Twitch shows or whatever. And then it doesn't happen on television for four weeks and it confuses the audience. And Rick, we have to get the word out. Just just don't do that. Either either build it into the narrative or keep it outside of the narrative and off of Impact Plus. Just leave it on Twitch.
1: I, I get exactly where you're going. You know, one of the, the latest... Uh, hiccups, if you will, through Honor Club, is that we had weeks of matches with Lifeblood, but yet they had not debuted on television at that point. Yeah, they, their debut was still like four weeks out, and we had like two specials that involved them. And Ring of Honor has
0: been much better about it this year than they were last year. Like they they recognize these issues and they addressed a lot of these issues. But I can just see Impact making these same mistakes over again.
1: It's and maybe and hopefully they've researched this. Uh, especially, you know, that they've gotten through some of their own hiccups with the the global network and all that, and they've seen because we we you and I continually ask any time that one of these new streaming services and we, you know, as much as as we support Ring of Honor, we, we, you know, we took them to task on this. Yeah, after absolutely. Seeing, you know, when the, at the launch of Honor Club, after seeing this done so many times, why do we continue to see these repeat issues, which with different promotions and different companies attempting this? You know, why? Because you've already, you should be learning from others' mistakes here. And they stumbled, they stumbled pretty hard out of the game. Now they've done a tremendous job correcting those wrongs, you know, fixing the ship and all that. But but hopefully Impact is going to learn from that, learn from things that they've already, speed bumps they've already entered on their own network. They're looking at the other platforms and seeing what they've done. And that's probably going to be one of the, the main issues at this point. Is just making sure that they're that everything flows properly throughout. Uh, but to kind of lend to what you said there at the beginning of the conversation with this, uh, I think it's great how their little their grassroots campaign is to you know go to these indie promotions, these shows where they've already got. I mean, you've already got the arena there. You've already got an audience built in. You've, you've got pro- some production there. They, I know Impact brings in a little bit of their own. Uh, but yeah, and, and, it, and it's supporting the smaller promotions. It, it's getting your big stars out there. It's essentially replaced. You know where that where the company was failing during live events and saving them financially uh here in ohio regularly you know they're down at rockstar pro and obviously that's because of the tie-in with sammy and the chris brothers uh but yeah they bring in great great names you know brian cage is regularly down talk about
0: bizarro world man i mean because you you go into rockstar pro and Ove are the baby faces. One hundred percent, they are clearly the baby faces. It is the epitome of bizarro world inside of the Impact narrative. Watching a Rockstar Pro
1: show, uh, Rockstar Pro, a, a tremendous indie promotion here. Uh, they just they just transferred over. They got something very very cool going on. Uh, they've they've moved their location. The Rockstar Arena uh, is now set up within their own bar and grill. Uh, turnbuckles nice. and brews turnbuckles and brews you know you got that wrestling theme it's the home to Rockstar pro I- i've yet to have been there uh definitely on the short list of, you know things to do here within you know by the end of the year for for indie wrestling in ohio but yeah it seems just like a, such an awesome concept
0: that seems really really cool uh one thing i think they should do is i think we should get a new belt yeah i always advocate for less championships But if we're going to do this, I think they should come out with an internet championship and have it defended exclusively on these Twitch or Impact Plus shows, these random shows that they do, and just save it for that occasion. Give it its own narrative strictly on Impact Plus. If you want to see the internet championship defended, you got to pay your $13 a month or whatever it comes out to be. In order to watch the, these matches, I absolutely love that idea.
1: I could get behind that. Uh, it's something. In, in what it does is it kind of saves you from what you're talking about, and you know you're going to get a championship that can that can change at any time. Also, when you have the the internet championship or whatever you would want to call it, there, I I like that name too. I could see just for branding if you just called it the Impact Plus Championship. Yeah, I could get behind so that. So it's LinkedIn, but then occasionally. Slide in where the main title changes Or another championship changes Which is going to make that Pun intended so much more impactful That it happened on this platform Yeah,
0: And build to it on the TV shows You know, it, it gives you a reason To write undercard stories So you don't run into the issues That the WWE is dealing with Right now Let's, uh, let's stick inside of uh, Impact Wrestling Because one of your favorites Of all time Is back Mr. 420, Mr. Monday night, now Mr. Friday night, RVD, Rob Van Dam in 2019 makes his return to national television and Impact Wrestling. I can see you smiling over there. I know you're happy to have RVD back. I guess my question is, why are we bringing him back against all ego Ethan Page? Like, shouldn't the return of the legend Rob Van Dam be bigger than that, which is no disrespect to all-ego Ethan Page. I like all-ego Ethan Page, but I feel like RVD should be in the Michael Elgin role and Michael Elgin should be facing off with all-ego Ethan
1: Page. Okay, but then we then we get the, okay, here we go again. Let's bring back another old guy and thrust him into the spotlight. They're just trying to take somebody from WWE fame once again. Blah, blah. Then you get those arguments. I think at this point when you got, when you got Van Damme, it's more about just trying to bring some eyes back to the product. And then hopefully, you know, while there are rvds here, let's tune in for that. It doesn't, it's not necessarily who he's going over. It's just that he is there. And then that you stay tuned in to check out. Holy shit. Look at their champ. Is that guy, is that guy real? Uh, unfortunately,
0: unfortunately, you're not going to see the champ on I, TV. I for know a while. that, but,
1: but that's the logic. Yeah. And yeah, that's no. your logic there. Yeah. Uh, or, you know, or, or just not the champ. You know, you, you get to see some of the other characters that some people might not be familiar with in Impact Wrestling that Rob Van is going to bring the. And hopefully, ones that keep people hooked.
0: My bigger concern is it has been reported that at this series of TV tapings that we just had, James Mitchell was there and we're doing more Undead Realm stuff. What? Why are we still going with this? You know, like this is one of those things, and it's kind of like the Firefly Funhouse, where when you hear Mitchell Cole say, you know, oh, it's taken social media by storm. Maybe you should read the comments and what people are actually saying about the Undead Realm, rather than just saying that it's taken social media by storm, because. I'm sorry, man. This thing is just a joke. I cannot get into this thing at all. I know they're trying to do like a broken Hearties kind of thing, but this thing is a swing and a miss. And I mean, it's like three swings all at once. This thing's just awful. I can't, I can't get into this at all.
1: Yeah. I haven't seen much of it. Uh, I have seen the reaction, you know, that we're getting from the fans. And it's just, you know, as you're pointing out, it's, it's definitely getting a reaction, but not what they're what they're shooting for.
0: Yeah, not so much. I, I don't think that we need more James Mitchell. It's like, all right, I'm going to tune in to see Rob Van Dam. What the fuck is this? And 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 it's not in a good way. Like the Firefly Funhouse. Like,
1: well, you see, and, it, and I think you know again because I sit and defend the Funhouse every week. The people that just don't get it, it's going over their heads. And this thing can be very dark and disturbed, and they're looking at it on its surface. Uh, they're not, you know, they're not seeing for what this thing could be. I mean, this is some twisted stuff. And I don't want to. So I, I don't want to speak to what's going on with Mitchell because I don't know that much about it. Uh, but, yeah, maybe maybe that's the case. Maybe people just start getting
0: it. Sue Young stabbed Ali in the throat with a
1: Freddy Krueger glove. OK, I get that. You know, that's and that's one of the issues that I that I regularly have with impact is, you know, that they had two murders in a year. <laughs> Yeah, and so, you know, let's go well, back guess, to that. I guess I guess the one wasn't a murder Didn't the kid survive or something?
0: <laughs> I just I, I, I feel like Rosemary deserves so much better than this. Uh let's talk a little bit about Brian Cage and and kind of by association Michael Elgin. Uh Michael Elgin was on the Impact Press Pass this week. I even cleaned up the audio for uh some technical issues that they had there, so you can find that at hittingthemarks.com. Um Brian Cage missed this TV And there seems to be a bit of speculation as to what's going on here. Um, Whether this is six weeks of television, eight weeks of television, four weeks of television. Regardless, the champ is not going to be seen on the television for a while. Uh, Thankfully, it sounds like the injury is not necessarily as serious as originally thought to be. Rick, what are we gonna do here? Because I, I, hopefully, we can still get Cage in some backstage vignettes, some pre-tapes, something. But I, I, if I'm Impact Wrestling, I have to seriously think about okay, if we're not gonna have Cage for six to eight weeks, if this goes on for another set of tapings, we may have to take the title off of him.
1: Well, I, I think you know most importantly when we're looking at these how these tapings are playing out. Uh, we have Slammiversary coming up. That's the next big event, right? Right. And from you know, from my understanding, is that they're going to shift where that becomes the you know really the focus as their biggest event of the year, uh, where they're going to kind of shift from Bound Glory to Slammiversary, which I always thought that should have been. It, it's that's another conversation. I, I think if if you can get away with it, I think that's almost your story. There is you've got you you really sell this thing as it was. Is if Elgin's going to be the challenger there, that Elgin is the is the only reason. He's the pure reason that the champ is on the shelf. Uh, so you've got him pretty much claiming that, hey, I just broke your champ. I broke the unbreakable, the unbreakable, and have him run through people as he's setting himself as the challenger. And then you've got this road to redemption, this story that you can tell with with Brian Cage, going the rehab and training and cutting, you know. I thought, you know, what he posted on Twitter, you know, about this was his dream. You know, this is everything, and now it seems to be gone, taken away. You tell that story from the other side, where you can keep these two away, and you're building up to a very intense moment at a main event at Slammiversary for the championship. First match back, you got Elgin, who's just been destroying the roster, who's been running his mouth nonstop, and now here comes Cage, you know, looking to... Then you got Cage again coming back to, to right that wrong. Yeah. I mean, I think that's your story. And if it could play out, then this this great story. I mean, just kind of take a, you know, this terrible situation and, and turn it into a, a true positive for you.
0: I love Michael Elgin taking credit for injuring Brian Cage. Um, as he said on the impact press pass, you know, I don't know when Cage got hurt. When I saw him last, he was standing there holding the title. And when I left, he wasn't. You know, so I I love that dynamic. I my only concern is w- there's been so much invested into Brian Cage, and I think that's a smart thing. I think Brian Cage should be the Impact Champion. I just feel like we're gonna have to invest a lot in Big Mike to have that underdog sympathy storyline for Cage, because Cage is a monster. He's a machine. And now he's a babyface champion. And I feel like we need to have Big Mike just destroying people. Like, I'm I'm feeding him Phoenix in a singles match. I'm feeding him Penta in a singles match. I'm going through the creme de la creme that is the Impact roster and having Big Mike just destroy well, them.
1: You know, especially to really add to it, to get heat on him. Because you really want to get as much heat on him and claiming, you know, taking the credit for putting the champ on the shelf. But I can understand the tapings, you know, you want to have like a, a – a title present and all that. Uh, I think I'd mentioned to this to you one other time on air, right after. Yeah. Right after it happened, when we were kind of just briefly talking about it, have Elgin rep have the title with him every week, like claim it. Like I went right to the top and I broke your champion. I, you might not recognize me as it, but I'm going to be representing this title. And if anybody, anybody in that back has a problem with it, come take this from me. And then that presents, you know, people coming out where you have like a Phoenix, or a to come out, anybody, you know what? Yeah, I'll come get it. You're you're new here. You're not part of this company. You know, you're not going to be calling the shots and have him put every one of them down. And then each week, you're also getting vignettes where you've got Cage, where this thing is seemingly has destroyed his life, but he is determined to get back to where he was, and he promises to be ready. He will be there at slam anniversary. To take out if it's elgin or whoever else has that title or if he has to do both in the same night he will so you i tell you get that you know get that sympathy on uh, someone his size
0: let's talk a little bit about aew um rick we had this question presented over i think it was brian form over in the and media discussion group presented this question the other day and i've been wanting to talk to you about it and and now on this latest road to double or nothing We saw the way that this Casino Battle Royale is going to work, and I feel like the two topics kind of blend together. Who should be the inaugural AEW champion? Um, There's a couple of different ways to look at this. Are, Are you trying to make a star or are you trying to get people to watch your television show? Uh, Now, I guess let's start with this Battle Royale, because we're going to know who the number one contender to the champ is going to be before we know who the champ is. Um, The way this thing is going to work, they've completely reimagined the Battle Royale and and yourself being a Battle Royale fan. I love this. You love this? I was curious if you'd love it or hate it. It's going to start off with five guys inside the ring. Every three minutes, a new wave of five more guys is going to hit the ring until there's 20 guys in the ring. Then lucky number 21 comes in all by himself at the end, and the winner of the Battle Royale will be owed a championship match against the inaugural AEW champion, whomever it may be. You say that you love this concept. I got to say, man this is pretty cool. I can get behind this.
1: Uh, Well, you know, personally, you know, someone who is a huge bark for any kind of Battle royal style gimmick match, uh, I love that, you know, now, especially with the gauntlet styles, that you're kind of reimagining this thing. Personally, yes, I love it. I do worry if it will be a bit too confusing for some. Because, you you know, the, the consumer is a creature of habit.
0: I know, but it's and, not like this is like overly complicated. I mean, with it only being 21 dudes, it's not overly complicated. You'll have everybody in the ring in
1: 20 minutes. Well, I get that, but you know, you know some of the individuals that we talked to about professional wrestling. That's true. <laughs> is what's the point of this? Are they going to be able to uh, to wrap their minds around what is happening? I absolutely love this thing. And I kind of like the intrigue of, you know, instead of just putting this thing out there like this, that we do have. There's something online on at stake here that you're going to get a future opportunity once the champion is crowned. And I like that we don't even have the champ yet and they're giving they're lining up challengers for it. I, I think that is a tremendous move oh, to go back to, you know, to the other point that we're that we're talking about here is who should be the champ. I think that also has to play into how they are going to crown that champion. I, I would think that you would want to use your television uh, as a weekly draw for a tournament with all these great names so that you are getting exposure. Everyone's getting to see them. So not necessarily where you don't need to to make a new star, a young star in, in crowning them champion, but you're giving them a rub through television. People seeing them each week and giving maybe one or two a great run to the semifinals. But I think ultimately you have to go with establishing a, a true name behind that. And I know the popular pick out there, you know, amongst the internet community, is Kenny Omega. You know, like the ties with, you know, with the great run in Japan, and he's so young and he's so talented. I think you go the other way. First time out, I put this thing on Jericho.
0: Those are the two logical ones. I mean, of course, there's a a huge congregation that is advocating for Hangman Page to be the first AEW champion.
1: I just don't don't think he's ready.
0: I I think you need to go with an already established star and say, this is our centerpiece. This is the center of our universe. And that person either has to be the inaugural champion or chasing the inaugural champion. And I'm with you. I think it's got to be a Jericho or... Kenny Omega and I think I I think I go with Jericho just because the,
1: the the money is in the chase Well and also You know with Kenny Likely you're going to have him as a baby Because that core audience is going to want To just cheer the hell out of him Jericho, Jericho can get the heat where they'll Boo him Outside of that that's great. I mean, you've already got your locked in, those that are, you know, the 20-plus thousand that are buying the tickets that are eating up every piece of merchandise that you toss out there. Those people are built in. They know who Kenny Omega is. That's great. Now, there is a, a, a larger portion that you're trying to pull in that have no clue really who he is. Yep. But they recognize Chris Jericho. Yep. So either Jericho or spend the money. Go get some of that Middle East money, that style money. They put it on Goldberg.
0: Oh, get the fuck <laughs> out of
1: here! I just,
0: I, my biggest fear right now is this whole Cody and Jericho thing. It's we're building new, a Cody and Jericho match. I do not want this to be the first AEW Championship match. I don't want this thing to be positioned as. This is Cody's vanity project, and he's going for the championship. Because that what what's going to happen is that's going to turn Jericho. That's what'll happen. People will cheer Jericho over Cody Rhodes going to win his
1: own championship. All well. Ultimately, all that does is turn Cody Rhodes into Triple H. Yep. Bingo. And I don't think you want to go go that avenue. Nope. I keep Cody it, Cody in his own best interest to just stay the hell away from a championship for a, quite some time. Yep, I completely agree. Okay, and with that, with that jargo with the end of the uh, our uh, AEW talk, I know you want to go to the to the other side of the globe here to the Far East. Uh, so what I'm going to do, I'm going to dot dot dive the hell out of here because I have no interest in this Super Junior tournament. Uh, I'm going to let you uh, either fly on your own or go. I don't know. Maybe go find someone that, that cares about this shit. Okay, I'll, I'll I'll come back in a few.
0: All right, fine. Fuck you too. Talk to you in a bit.
2: 平成6年に幕を開けたジュニアヘビー級最高峰の戦い
0: Alright, fuck Rick. We don't need him. We didn't want to talk about no new Japan pro wrestling with that motherfucker anyway. I went and found somebody who has a real, a true appreciation for the best of super juniors from the slums of professional wrestling. No, he's not from the slums of professional. You know, you just kinda of hang out at the hustle. You're more from like the upscale slums of professional wrestling up there in Minnesota. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back to the show. 8-Track Black, Michael Davis. My friend, how are you? I'm doing great.
3: Thank you for having me back on the show. And, you know, I'm ready to talk about some best of Super Juniors. I mean, I wish I could have my brother, 8-Track Brown, here, but unfortunately, we can't. You know, we still praying for you. Thoughts of prayer for you and your family for the trash of the loss of your great-grandmother. Hope that, hold that motherfucker burns to hell.
0: Yeah, um... I guess the only thoughts that I have when it comes to that subject is, um, you better hope the cops find you before A Track Round does. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, but let's talk about the best of Super Juniors, Michael. This is probably the deepest field that I have ever seen for a Super Junior tournament inside of New Japan Pro Wrestling. We've upped it to twenty talents this year. Um, I we'll go through the entire list and and how many times they've been in the tournament. A lot of first time participants in this year's tournament, and we have representatives from Rev Pro. We have several representatives from Ring of Honor. Some representatives from CMLL. Just kind of a a, a brief overview. What do you think of this year's field of Best of Super Juniors?
3: I think I think this field is, is pretty stacked. I mean, you know, without a uh, Liger, without Pasita, and without Kowloon. They really have stepped up to have and find you know pretty damn good talent in this uh Super Juniors. So I'm very impressed with New Japan with that.
0: Little bit of a sidebar because you know that's what we do here at the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast. We're full of sidebars. What do you uh, make of Kushida inside of NXT? Uh, you, you mentioned him obviously missing from this year's field. He's moved on to the brighter pastures that are Orlando, Florida. I was not impressed by Kushida versus Cassius Ono on last week's NXT TV. Oh I mean, yeah, I mean he he still you
3: know getting used to wrestling against you know every race. You know he's been wrestling uh, junior heavy race and cruiserweights his entire career. So it, it, it gonna be very uh you know strange seeing him against like bigger guys like you know like a freaking Keith Lee. I mean oh it, it, it gonna be to be very interesting seeing seeing him against uh Keith Lee. So I mean. I'm not gonna. I'm not really down on him on, on entity so far. I just think that he needs to work on his skills against uh, big men.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and he's not a high flyer. Damn it! Don't call him a high flyer. He's Kushida. He, he's a technical wizard. He's not a high flyer. My God! I, I about pulled all my freaking sideburns out listening to the commentary for that. But some guys that are high flyers, We, I think this is a pretty diverse field, man. We've got some high flyers this year. We've got some technical wizards inside this thing. Hell, I think we even got a couple of heavyweights inside of this year's tournament, if you ask me. Uh, let, let's run through the A block of course, which is headlined by your current IWGP junior heavyweight champion, Dragon Lee. This is going to be his third time inside of the tournament. Then we get into some ROH talent, Jonathan Gresham making his first debut inside of the Best of Super Juniors. I cannot wait to see what the octopus brings into this field. We have the villain, Marty Scurll, who Who even knows where Marty's Allegiances lie these days? He could be New Japan. He could be ROH. He could be AEW. He could be NXT. He could be NXT UK. He could just, hell, maybe he'll start his own promotion and just call it, you know, Villain Enterprises Wrestling. Then we have uh, Shingo Takagi in his first Best of Super Juniors tournament. You know those heavyweights I was talking about? Shingo one of them. Uh, Sho in his second tournament. Ishimori, his third year, he was a finalist last year against the eventual winner, Hirom takahashi takamichi representing his seventh tournament this year tiger mask tournament 18 his 18th best of super juniors he won it in 2004 and 2005 titan from cmll in his second Kanamaru in his third that's the a block a black how many of these names jump off to you as legit contenders to actually win this tournament
3: Man, uh, this kind of fucked up my prediction because, because I, I I did not know that he got to have freaking um, Singo and Ethan and Skrull and all these big name stars in one block. It's I mean loaded. I I really really looking forward to seeing Ethan versus Singo in the final, but now they got to be in the same block together. Like that that's fucked up my whole prediction. Uh, As for Jonathan and Gresham, you know, I might get a lot of heat for this. I'm not a big John Gresham fan.
0: Oh, stab right
3: to the heart. I mean, just, I mean, yeah, he, he is a good technical skill wrestler, but I mean, I think I think he's too short. I think uh, I think he's taller than my. I think he's, he like, my little brother is taller than John Gresham in my, in my personal opinion. Um, I think um he needs to work on his promo skills a lot. But I mean, one thing I went, I am looking forward to when it comes to John Gresham, see how to go how he go play out out this whole. Leto and Gresham feud and um, we, all, we, all, we all know what's happening.
0: I want to see Jonathan Gresham versus Kane Amaru because I really like Jonathan Gresham versus Silas Young. I think that's a great matchup. And Kane Amaru is basically the Japanese version of Silas Young to me. Hey, like last real Chinese man. The last real Chinese man. (laughs) Fantastic. Marty is uh, an interesting possibility here. I don't think he's going to win the block, but it wouldn't surprise me to see him towards the top because, of course, now we're not seeing Marty inside of New Japan nearly as much as we were when the elite were over there. Um, But the Japanese audience freaking loves the villain, Marty Skrull.
3: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean Morris Girl, I mean, he's been one of my favorites ever since he, he joined the Bull club. I mean, I didn't like how he was, you know, pretty much a cardiac on in the with the elite, with you know, him being on you know, being the elite and all that on his shit. I mean, but as him being the leader of the villain enterprises, he really has come around to being the villain once again. And I'm glad li- I like that. I like how, you know, him with PCO and Brody King, I mean, it really is, you know, very damn good to see him, you know, as the villain again. And speaking of Body King, it looks like he got he might be joining Morris Girl during the by the Junior Tour.
0: Ooh, I like that. Of course, uh, they they do the undercard matches kind of as previews leading into the block matches. I I think they would love Brody King over in Japan. I'm not sure that they would necessarily get PCO right away because he's so character heavy, but the work rate would end up getting over Brody King. They are just going to freaking love that kid because he's like a 2019 version of Stan Hansen.
3: Yeah, I think I think a PCO is not allowed to travel outside of the US and Canada. So I think Why that, does that might that be that surprise me. I think that might be an issue with bringing a PC in. But, you know, Border King, I mean, I wasn't really much of a fan of this at first, but
0: yeah, it really has come around as, you know, the 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 big man of uh, really enterprises so let's talk about the three headed monster because there's really three guys inside of this a block that really could come out of it you mentioned two of them shingo takagi and uh taija ishimori i think they have to be two favorites along with the current champion dragon lee who is actually my pick to kind of win this whole damn thing um we'll we'll talk about the hiromu connection here in, in a couple of minutes um I don't think Shingo is going to win this thing, but I think he's going to get real freaking close. Like, I could see this thing coming down to Shingo, like, in the last couple of days before he gets eliminated. Shingo's getting over huge right now inside of New Japan, and I think this is going to be his farewell to the Super Juniors because I think he goes heavyweight after this tournament.
3: Yeah, I, I completely agree. I mean, the guy, he's he's freaking huge. I mean, I don't know how, why the hell he he's a freaking junior heavyweight. But, Just because you know,
0: because Bushy needed a tag partner for uh, junior tag league.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, Bushy needs help regardless. But you know, that's <laughs> the the story.
0: Poor Bushy. <laughs> I love Bushy, but man, he is the Jabra L I J. If bushy in a tag match, Bushy taking the pin. That's how it's gonna go.
3: Yeah, I mean, but Singo, ever since he joined LIJ, he's been pretty much been the MVP of that group. And I really, you know, he really is coming around as, you know, as a head uh, junior there in Huamu's uh, place. And I like how he's just, you know, saying that, hey, he's not a replacement of Huamu. He's just here to, you know, pretty much still the show and pretty much support LIJ in, in, any, in any means necessary.
0: Then you have Ishimori, who of course was in the finals against Hiromu last year. I think he has to be a favorite to win it this year.
3: Yeah, that, that definitely. I mean, he still. I mean, I, I like how you know he was when he lost the the Master Dragon League in the Dalton Taku. He was like, well, him me losing to Dragon League was is frustrating, but him seeing him focusing on Hiromu more than me, that's really it. Really frustrates me, and. He's looking to show the world that he's not just, you know, a backseat to Dragon Lee and the Junior Heavyweight Championship.
0: Dragon Lee, I, for myself personally, the best story that they can tell, even as predictable as it may be, the best story they can tell is Dragon Lee winning this entire tournament. Dragon Lee then gets to name his own challenger for Dominion, and he names Hiromu Takahashi as his, as his challenger. I mean, that's... The, the most logical way to go. The question is, will Hiromu be ready by Dominion? Because the reports that I have seen say that he's not going to be back until late summer.
3: Uh, I, thought he, I thought I heard that you he would already made it, made it clear.
0: Oh, see, now the last I had heard, he was at 93.7%. <laughs> that, that number, of course, coming from Hiromu himself. <laughs> But
3: I mean, I, regardless of how, how healthy he is, I think he will be ready to, regardless what he's you know facing, uh, the winner of the Dragon Lee, or he's waiting for him uh, and get ready for Wrestle Kingdom.
0: Uh, when we saw Dragon Lee come out with the Kamatachi mask at Dantaku, it was just like th- this has to be a symbol that Hiromu is on his way back. And Dragon Lee said in his post-match promo, I'll be here waiting with the championship. Because right now, let's face it, Dragon Lee feels like an illegitimate champion. Aishamori felt like an illegitimate champion. Hiromu never lost the belt. He had to give it up because Dragon Lee broke his freaking neck. You know, I mean, that literally broke his freaking neck. Is Hiromu still going to be Hiromu when he gets back? Because I, I kind of feel like Hiromu's gonna need to tune it down at least one gear.
3: Yeah, I mean he really needs to slow things down. I mean that that's the thing I I, I don't really like with some of these juniors because they they just they are too freaking fast. I mean with, uh, Bandito, which we're gonna talk about in a little bit, he needs to slow things down because his, his first couple matches in Ring of had been a little sloppy, and that's not gonna fly in New Japan
0: yeah agreed uh it's going to be very interesting to see how the uh japanese audience takes to bandito i think they are just going to freaking love him uh let's go ahead let's take a look at the b block uh Bandito in his first Best of Super Juniors, bushy in number seven, El Desperado at number four. Uh, Desperado's interesting because Desperado's kind of being repackaged a little bit. Saw some uh, interesting shots of Despi the other day. El Fantasmo making his debut in the Best of Super Juniors. Flip Gordon. I don't think anybody benefited from Best of Super Juniors last year more than Flip Gordon did. Robbie Eagles from Australia and representing Bullet Club in his first Best of Super Juniors. Rocky Romero, number seven, for the king of sneaky style, Taguchi in his 16th Best of Super Juniors, which seems insane to me. This, of course, the one time of year that Taguchi is relevant. He always tunes it up for the Best of Super Juniors. He won it in 2012. Will Ospreay in his fourth Best of Super Juniors, your winner in 2016. And Yo in his second Best of Super Juniors. He's kind of a dark horse for me. I could really see Yo doing something inside of this year's tournament. Um, A-Track Black, what do you make of the B-Block? This is going to be dot, 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 dive heaven.
3: Yeah, I mean, I've seen a lot, a lot of dives in, over, all over the place. A lot of, of all, dives all, 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 into Gucci.
0: These- <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, this this block is pretty, pretty stacked, too. I mean, you know, Flip Gordon, I mean, I, I've been a fan of this ever since he, you know, winning Warner I mean, I, I'm very impressed with him. I mean, I was he was hilarious on being the elite, and you know, I'm really looking forward to seeing how he does in his uh in the, the Super Juniors. As for Osprey, I thought that that motherfucker was supposed to be a heavyweight.
0: Yeah, that's kind of the elephant in the room, right? Well, Osprey is in the best of Super Juniors now. Th- there's a couple of different ways to look at this, because I don't know if this has ever been done if anybody has ever been in both the Best of Super Juniors and the G1 Climax, I think we could actually see two people do it this year because I think Shingo could do it and I think Osprey could do it. In fact, I expect Osprey inside of the G1 Climax this year. I was really, really surprised when I saw him announce for Best of Super Juniors.
3: Yeah, I I was surprised too because I thought he would already a heavyweight. But you know, I mean, I don't think he win win the best of super juniors this year. I mean, he I wouldn't be surprised if he makes it the, to the, the finals, but
0: I mean he not winning the, this this year. I'm sorry. i could kinda see Osprey winning this thing. I could see Osprey winning the best of super juniors and then losing, of course, at Dominion to Dragon Lee and have that be kind of his Super Junior send-off Before we throw him to the Wolves Inside of the G1 Climax And he scores like 4 points Because you know that's how it's going to go Like if, if they throw Osprey in there the, That first year he's going to get like Maybe 4 or 6 points And it's going to be a lot of the heavyweights Just beating the ever-loving tar Out of Will Ospreay Yeah that
3: would be fun for me Watching him get, that, get his ass
0: kicked <laughs> yes, I, I, I need me some Tomahiro Ishii versus Will Ospreay, because, like, Ishii's just going to no-sell everything. Everything.
3: Yeah, much like his match against uh, Walter. I mean, he pretty much damn near killed Will Ospreay. And it's like, those flippy shit are not going to work against heavyweights like uh, Walter and Ishii or maybe even a, a Suzuki.
0: But I almost feel like it's going to benefit Osprey moving the heavyweight because that's going to give him the opportunity to slow down a little bit, which we, we've all been saying Osprey needs to do for years. If we see a bit more vicious Will Osprey, I can get behind it. But yeah, I'm with you. I, like this should be the end of dot 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 dive Will Osprey.
3: Yeah, he really, he really needs to find some technical skill of uh, type wrestling, moves, uh, become more. Find more stronger moves, cause you know, even with, with the young bucks being moved to heavyweight, I didn't really didn't believe them being in the race because he, they were still doing the whole flippy flippy flops shit. And yeah, he they won the IWGB heavy championships, one time, and it really didn't cut it.
0: Speaking of flippy floppy shit, we talked a little bit about Bandito. Um, Bandito inside of this block, like I'm looking down this line, and I'm seeing like Bandito versus Robbie Eagles is just going to be like a gymnastics routine it's going to be absolutely insane i think bandito is going to get over huge desperado um this repackaging of of the crazy mask and like the suit and tie he almost looks like he belongs more in lij than he does in suzuki goon with this look i'm hoping that this is going to be a regular thing
3: yeah i agree i saw some pictures of him uh, in a, a death mask you carry on freaking uh Board, uh flywire, and I like I like uh, his new gimmick. I like the the have a uh, uh, Suzuki Suzukiune match uh, and have a uh, a new his new match. I mean, this is this is what he really needs right now. I mean, repackaging is it, pretty good for uh, El Desperado. Yeah.
0: Uh, El Fantasmo made his big debut, pins Will Ospreay, his first night inside of New Japan Pro Wrestling, although it seems like everybody is pinning Will Ospreay in 2019. Um What do you make of El Fantasmo? Because, like, I I watch this kid, and number one, he comes out and he looks just like freaking Prince Devitt with the light up jacket and the sunglasses and everything. And I'm like, oh no, like, this is either going to get over huge or people are just going to hate him for straight stealing the real rock and roll gimmick, even though he's been doing it for years in Canada and the UK. I'm just, I'm not sure how the Japanese audience is going to respond to El Fantasmo. I, I didn't know that djz and Prince Debbi had a baby yeah pretty much actually they had two of them because uh I, I think uh mustafa Ali and el phantasmo are actually twins
3: <laughs> I, I, that will not surprise me but um, el fantasmo Ph- I mean I mean i I, I don't I haven't seen much of them i've seen a little bit of them of them during uh uh defiant Wrestling in the, in the uk but you know the whole I mean it's funny because last year Walsh spray got attacked by Ethan Moore and he, he ended up being part of the Club and he lost in the first match in the Super Juniors. This year it's pretty much the same thing. Fantastic comes in, beats Wall spray in the tag match and he faces Wall spray the first match of the Best of Super Juniors in, in the B Block.
0: I am looking forward to El Phantasmo versus Robbie Eagles. I think that match is going to be insane to see who's going to be the young lion of the Bullet Club going forward.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's, it, and it's kind of strange that to, to see three juniors part of Bullet Club. I mean, but I kind of understand it because you, have, you got you guy have one, uh, one junior be the you know, center point of the junior division and you got to have two people going for those junior tag team titles. So I, I don't think that El Fattasimo Fat or, or YB Eagles win this, this thing. I think they've got to be a, a perfect tag team for the Bullet Club and Junior Division. But, you know, as far as who wins, who has a chance of winning it between the, the Bullet Club Juniors, I think Ethan Moore has a chance of winning it more than Eagles and Fattasimo.
0: So when I look at the B block and I wonder, okay, so let's say... While we have Dragon Lee, we have Ishimori, we have Shingo all up in the A block, you know, all three favorites to win this thing. When I look at the B block, I feel like it's way more open where there's not necessarily anybody outside of Osprey who really jumps off the page to me as, oh, yeah, that guy's going to win the B block. Unless it's El That that's this is the beginning of how they started pushing Ishimori last year when they pushed him straight to the finals, even though he lost. Does Fantasmo come out of the B block? Uh, I don't think he had he had a
3: chance to coming out of the B block. I mean, I think he, I'll I'll give the B block to either um, Flip Gordon or Bandito, because I mean I think that you know Fantasma probably be you know. getting getting taking a lot of L's in this uh, tournament but it won't surprise me if he gets just a little close to the finals but I don't don't see him winning
0: I'm going with Will Ospreay versus Dragon Lee that's going to be my finals for Best of Super Juniors, 8-Track Black who do you got, who's going to be your finals for Best of Super Juniors
3: let's go with um, Isamore and Bandito
0: I would love to see that match. That's for damn sure. Who do you have winning the 2019 Best of Super Juniors?
3: Um, I have either Ishimori or Shingo.
0: All right. So, so you're assuming that we're going to get then a rematch between either Shingo or Ishimori and Dragon Lee at Dominion?
3: Yeah, I, th- I think so
0: interesting how many matches have we had with Ishimori and Dragon Lee at this point like it feels like I've seen that match a half a dozen times in the last six months it's kind of
3: like WWE like
0: (laughs) yeah it's Randy Orton versus John Cena of dot 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 dive
3: (laughs) too many cooks
0: yep true. 8-Track Black, thank you very much for joining us for our Best of Super Junior Preview. Why don't you tell the people how to find you on social media and tell them about the 8-Track Black experience?
3: Well, you can find me on, on Twitter at Matt Caricenus. You can find me on Instagram at uh, MichaelDavid612. And you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, The PW Hustle Zone, where I, where I do tribute videos, of course, the funny moments of the P.O.E. Hustle and harmony Media Group, and the H. R. Black Experience. And pretty much, you know, me talking about the world of wrestling, what's going on in the weeks around WWE, Greenwater, New Japan, all over, over professional wrestling. And it's just me ranting about how I what my thoughts are and how I would, I would change the world of professional wrestling.
0: Rick and I will be back to talk some Ring of Honor, some NXT, and some WWE right after this.
2: Hey there. Do you like Ring of Honor? Yeah. Do you like Impact Wrestling? Sure do. How about Independent Wrestling? Of course. Who doesn't? Do you like the WWE? Yeah, I could take it or leave it. Do you like Kim Kardashian? (laughs) No. Good, because we don't talk about her here. This is Turnbuckle Talk. Member of the Hitting the Marks Processing Podcast Network. Check us out on Podbean, iTunes, Google Podcasts, and all those other podcatchers by searching Turnbuckle Talks. You can find your friends at the HTM Podcast Network by searching Hitting the Marks. You will be glad you did, as Big Joe and myself, Carl Carafell, take you on an audible journey into the world of professional wrestling. Every week. With the HDM Podcast Network, you listen to shows like the Wrestle Podcast, Tables, Athers, and Chairs, The PW Hustle, and of course the flagship show, the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling Podcast at hittingthemarks.com. So be sure to keep up with the greatest Canadian podcast duo and listen to Turn Buckles Off.
4: Hey, this is Stevie Richards, I'm here to tell you, you don't necessarily need all this equipment to get in the best shape of your life. All you need is this, a resistance band. I'm so excited to offer the 12-week resistance band training program to you, which features an interactive PDF with full overview videos, modifications, descriptions of all the exercises, scalability, no matter what fitness level or what age you are, the PDF scales the workout to you. Also, after your instant download of the PDF, you get full direct email support right from me, as well as access to a Facebook group with an awesome interactive community. I can't wait to help you take control of your fitness journey. So, just put in stevierichardsfitness.com, go to the store, and download the 12-week Resistance Fan Training Program.
5: The time is now! <laughs> You are not murder X to the plot. It's evidence. all about it to Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the hour where there's nothing left to prove Experimental act. Aqua- a perfect world being burned This is the maniacal hour You're 100% underground Powered by the emotion of self-passion This is how we get now Extra, extra rain all about it Evidence coming to take control Extra, extra rain all about it
1: Evidence <laughs> <of> coming <laughs> to take <tight laughs> control and low steel souls and watching explode
4: Dispatch the death squad and watch it go
1: Serial killers, cadavers, murderous
5: psychos as the
4: hour goes
5: It takes the time Expires as we live dead, revitalize Surprised by the high With reds still in our eyes The pleasure is all ours To give you the power This is the Maniacal
0: Hour Alright Huckleberry, so we're back Thanks to A-Track Black for joining me For the best of Super Junior's preview It's crazy how two guys who Who run in the same circles Can have such different views on one tournament um, it's going to be a very, very interesting tournament because, you know, I, I know that you're not necessarily into the, the Super Junior style, but I know that you, you have gotten pretty good about following the New Japan storylines. And when I look at this year's best of super juniors, it's a very, very crowded field. It's a very, very talented field, but there's not necessarily a whole lot of star power. That's why I'm going with Will Osprey versus Dragon Lee for my best of super junior final. I think it's going to be the big send off to Will Ospreay for the super junior. So then he can go join the G1. But Rick, it's a great field. Everything looks great on paper but I don't know how, how much appeal there is going to be to this year's Best of Super Juniors.
1: Well, okay, you got yours there. Uh, as you had explained even before, you know, you sat down to the segment there with Trek, uh, you really feel that this kind of is, you know, Dragon Leaves the Win, and then for him to challenge, you know, set that challenge, which is really going to, you know, kickstart that next program, what would be the big featured item going on within the Super Junior. Now you've got um, Osprey.
0: Yeah, and once Hiromu comes back, that that's really the star power that the junior division is right. lacking right now.
1: So, so where just real quick, just to catch me up because you know I, if I don't want to rehash everything. There's a reason I jumped off there, but uh, where, where was Strack at on that?
0: Oh, he's leaning Ishimori. That that, that Ooh, okay. Ishimori's going to make his way to the finals, and you know which I I absolutely could see. You know, um, and then he's also leaning with uh, Shingo. You know, who is another one that I could see kind of in that Will Ospreay role. I'm just not sure that they're going to push Shingo to that level at this point. As much as I would love to see it, I feel like Shingo is just waiting to make it for, again, Hiromu to come back so he can make that move to heavyweight and jump into that intercontinental
1: title picture. I think, you know, for me, not so much about who's going to win this thing, because as you said, we're waiting on Hiromu to get back here. If they get that real star power, get that... That intriguing story, if you will, to, to get people invested in. Uh, I don't expect him to make any kind of great run into this thing, but I, I'm going to be keeping an eye out. You know how how Grisham is presented, how he handles himself in, inside of inside the tournament.
0: The other one that I'm going to be keeping my eye on is Flip Gordon, and uh, we'll talk about Flip here in just a little bit as we kind of take a look at night one of the War of the Worlds tour. Of course, now all the New Japan heavyweights don't have a whole lot to do, so some of them are over here joining the Ring of Honor tour on the the War of the Worlds tour. Uh, Rick, this was kind of a fun show. They They did advance a little bit of business on this show, and... Flip Gordon kind of at the center of things. Let's take a look at the undercard because there's one story here that I'm sure intrigues you. Things start off with uh, PJ Black defeating Alex Coughlin. And then Kelly Klein retains the Women of Honor Championship against Kate Carney. But the important part here, the allure come out and join Colt Cabana on commentary. And after the match, Kelly looks up and the simple quote, you three bitches want to fight? Hell yeah. Sign me up. Give me the allure versus Kelly Klein full bore. This is where we're going. What do you think?
1: Yeah, this is this is what this needs. This is what the division needs. You got so much star power. You've got what's gonna draw attention into this thing, and now they're just ready to throw down. Uh, this is t- desperately what this division needed. A uh, definite, you know, jump start, not just you know, just to get the thing going, but this is you know, pedal to the floor, full throttle moving forward. I'm excited for this program. Uh, as I'm sitting here, you know, it was taking the break there. I was flipping through social media, and uh, yeah, very interesting little, just uh, a little picture from the back from the allure. You know, uh, talk shit, get hit, looking incredible. These three are, are huge selling points for this division, as you know, we're you know just here on this show, the hitting Mark Pro Wrestling Podcast, where we stand. You know, when it comes to one Miss Kelly Klein, uh, and especially here in the state of Ohio, we're looking forward to her to kick, you know, kick some ass.
0: Of course, those who listen to the Hitting the Marks Pro Wrestling podcast also know that I drool over Velvet Sky every opportunity that I possibly get. Uh, the Kingdom defeat Carl Fredericks and Clark Connors. These are young lions, basically, from the uh, ROH dojo. Shane Taylor defeats Haiku Leo. I was very intrigued by this match, and it did not disappoint. Shane getting the big win, but Shane, you know, I know you listen to the show, man, and, and I, I, I gotta give you a shout-out, but... Don't be fucking with them Tongans. Don't be fucking with them Tongans. You don't want no part of that. LIJ defeats Lifeblood, this evil Ensenada going over Haskins and Williams, a fantastic tag team match. Then we get to another one of our big story points on this show. Roosh defeats Silas Young, but Dalton Castle comes out and enjoys the show. He's getting another uh, close-up at his favorite piece of meat known as Roosh. Roosh gets the win, and Dalton Castle comes, approaches the ring jumps in the ring he's got something to say to roosh and then he sees roosh and he's just in awe of him and he turns around and he leaves roosh does his little tranquilo pose as we go to a video package rick again dalton castle with the i'm gonna say something and then he doesn't say anything gimmick what 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 are you making of dalton castle at this point
1: i'm still liking it. Uh, I remember it's just a teaser, so they really want to you know, give us the direction that they're heading with him. And, and the guy has such incredible presence. you know. It, it, I think you know the difference in what he is doing as, a, as opposed to – you know, it seems to make comparisons because they were doing the same thing – was with Lacey Evans, uh, it, where I, I think Lacey is, is, is very gifted within her persona. I think she did a great job with it. It's just on another level here with Dalton Cass. I mean, he, he just has such tremendous presence about him. Uh, Just that body language—it's so impactful, even when he doesn't, when he's not speaking.
0: The biggest thing with Dalton Castle is he's just got to get his body right, man. He's got to get healthy. That's the
1: biggest thing because everything else is totally on point. What what I really love here is because of you know the presence of Castle. I mean, he just the, the body language that we're that we're talking about. Roosh has those same characteristics. Roots. That's you know, with not he doesn't have to speak the language. I mean, you just sense with him that he is a star. I mean, I, I was able to sense it the first time that he you know debuted in Ring of Honor. You felt it, you know, watching on Honor Club, and then to actually be there, you know, at Masters of the Krats in Columbus, and to be there that close to it, there's few individuals you're just blown away by, and wow, he has it.
0: Yeah, the mood changes when he enters the room. There's just he's got it whatever it is. Villain Enterprises retains their six-man championships against Kojima, Nagata, and Jeff Cobb. Uh, The important part of this one, Matt Taven out for commentary. If If you enjoy listening to the world champ, he's got plenty to say on the commentary. Out scouting PCO because he's taking on PCO tonight. And then after Villain Enterprises gets the win, all three members of the kingdom come out and attack Villain Enterprises. Rick, it seems insane to even have this conversation. Is there any chance that tonight with Joe Morin in attendance, they make the change and they put the ROH World Heavyweight Championship on PCO? I mean, everything says no, but like there's even posters for this show. It's weird. Like, this doesn't feel like it's a major ROH show, but they're not treating this like it's a minor ROH show. It just feels like there's something in the air in Toronto tonight.
1: I think, well, you know, especially, you know, the kind of the hometown or the home crowd favorite is going to be PCO there. They're trying to create a huge buzz there. I think that's really what this is about. It's just about hype, Uh, just not just within Canada, but. You know, now the people, the attention that PCO is bringing to Ring of Honor, uh, people that don't even completely fully understand it right now, you know, that they think that, you know, he's he's just no selling what, you know, that don't buy into the unhuman aspect of PCO. They're still being attracted to this thing. I think this is just a major selling point. And I wouldn't ever be opposed to eventually putting it on him. I just think, you know, as someone like yourself, you know, where we're looking at, importance of the of the championship itself i think that just destroys everything you did at msg
0: yeah it does but man it's it's something just feels
1: i i could definitely see him standing tall holding that championship after being screwed in the match i mean not actually being crowned the champion but to get that big cool moment once again where he had the championship uh you know not so long ago after he got that pin on taven But I I definitely think that uh, the the king of the kingdom, the ruler of the kingdom, is going to somehow steal this thing and maybe not win the match, but he will leave champion.
0: The hottest program on the tour is G.O.D. versus the Briscoes. This thing is going to culminate Sunday night in Chicago on this show. G.O.D. defeat the team of Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham to retain the ROH tag team titles. Fantastic match I absolutely love this And then after the match The tone changes As the Briscoes come out And make their presence known And it's on When you get Tama Tonga Tonga Loa And Mark and Jay In the same room At the same time these guys are—they're gonna fight all over the freaking continent for the next four days. Like that's what's gonna go down. That's what's gonna happen every night. There's just gonna be a huge brawl between God and the Briscoes until they finally get their hands on each other in Chicago.
1: Well, and you know, even the time we're just talking about PCO, and now he—he he is focused. He is locked in on the Ring of Honor championship. But as a unit, you know, Villain Enterprise is Walking around with their, ch- with, you know, their tag team championships uh, again. I, even with you know, with Enterprise holding the six man championships, I'd love to see some kind of interaction with them in Bullet Club with Marty's ties formal ties to Bullet Club. I mean, so much that could be happening. Uh, as you mentioned, Big Joe here. I'm flipping through social media. It looks like he is having an absolute blast. I know he was just live uh, doing a little little video for for all the followers. You know, everyone that's you know that supports us here on the hitting the marks. Podcast network. But uh yeah, now he's just posting some photos. He's hanging out with the champ. Uh just uh just left a the table there with Taven. He's shared those photos. And I know that he's really looking forward to uh that that big championship bout. I'm
0: looking forward to it too. Their your main event last night was Flip Gordon. Defeating Bandito, Uh, both of these guys getting ready to head over to Japan for the best of Super Juniors. I was a little surprised that this was the main event. Um, And then, of course, we get a little bit of a post-match angle where afterwards, you know, we get the code of honor between Flip Gordon and Bandito. And then we get an invitation from Lifeblood to Flip Gordon to officially join Lifeblood. And Flip says let me think about it. Rick, I, we, we, we've talked about lifeblood and how it's, it's kind of been a bit of a miss. This thing was built around juice Robinson and David Finley and Tennille Dashwood. Tennille Dashwood now has left the company. Finley out with a torn labrum juice. Seems like he's doing way more new Japan dates than I thought he was going to be when this faction was started. Um, is Flip
1: Gordon the way to go? I you know, at this point, I, I don't know if I, I it's definitely not going to do anything for Flip. And I don't know if Flip is is capable of even saving this thing. I would rather they just, just somehow this is the beginning of the end for Lightblood. Just, just dissolving this entire thing, letting the talents go their own directions and try to find something you know, something for each. I mean, there is some incredible talents within there. I, and I just don't think that. You know, definitely to this point, it has stumbled out of the blocks. I guess they thought there would be strength in numbers. They would all elevate, you know, elevate themselves by being together. It hasn't been the case. Let's try something different here. Uh, Obviously, you're going to have some that are going to sink others and swim. I would rather go that route than trying to prolong this thing. And ultimately, it, it becomes an anchor for six talents, if you will. I mean, you're left in there.
0: I mean, it, when I look at lifeblood at this point, Haskins and Williams have absolutely benefited from being part of this group. Um, it, it was a reason for them to come together as a tag team and they've gotten a pretty nice push as a tag team
1: and I think you know outside of that though, if they would have just if they could have just stuck these two together as a tag team without being in the group, I think they would' have had just as much success
0: that's a valid point. uh Bandito, I feel that way about I feel like Bandito, I don't know why but it feels like they're they're having Bandito job way more than they should have well, Bandito jobbing.
1: Well, and that's what you're talking about. Has this helped Bandito? I think that Bandito is one of the cases where that's what's hurt, Light blood I, yeah. I'm not looking at him as a serious competitor or a challenger in here. I mean, certainly he's going to go out and wow the audiences, but I look more than that. I mean, I'm looking at the persona, the character. You know, what are you doing, especially inside the narrative? I, I don't see him. Is a top competitor or star in Ring of Honor. It's like I,
0: I understand getting over in a loss, but at a certain point, you got to win,
1: right? And outside of yeah, I mean, he is there just for the the floor routine at this point. I want more from an individual. If you're going to give me lifeblood as a serious stable, someone that's going to you know take this company you know back to just not reestablishing the glory days, but move it forward, you know to re you know, to reinvent and evolve ring of honor. I'm not buying it with them. And when I look at that group, Bandito is one of those individuals holding them down simply because he's not getting it done
0: in the ring. Yeah. They should have booked Bandito more like they've booked Roosh. Like he should be going out, wowing people and getting wins. And right. It's cool that he's in main events, but at a certain point he's got to win once in a while
1: too. Well, at this at this point, yeah, essentially what you're doing, he is a he's a very impressive enhancement that's supposed to be lending some credence to this hot new group, uh, which to me, he's one of the re- reasons that it's failing.
0: Yep, I completely agree. And I'm not but sure it, that I want to put Flip it, it, with that I, either. I think
1: ultimately, uh, and I and I don't, again, I think it hurts Flip more than Flip could save it. And it, it really starts at the top. It really starts, you know, the head honcho in it so many people and we've been included in there we, we've been kind of critical of it I don't want to say critical but you know we've expressed our concerns about it is that juice in that role he has it I mean he's not a big selling point it's kind of hard it's hard to buy into that and it goes back to what we've talked about for so long over in New Japan he is a, a, a great juice is a great attraction because in that culture he stands out he is something special over here. We have a Juice Robinson on every indie show. It's a standard look and style.
0: And while you are the IWGP U.S. champion, it's very much treated as a mid-card championship. Like, it's almost down there at never open weight champion level. It's it's just not treated as a big deal inside of ROH. Hell, they're teasing Juice's next co- uh, competitor for the U.S. title, and we don't even know who it is. We're running vignettes that juices time's up, and I expect whoever it is is going to win that title from Juice Robinson, and we don't even know who it is, and we're like two weeks until the match.
1: What if it's flip?
0: I think I still, I'm I'm leaning Dolph Ziggler. It's that damn pink font. It's just screaming Dolph Ziggler to me. Let's talk about NXT TakeOver 25. Uh yeah, we're we're so embarrassed that this is going to happen in Connecticut that we're not even going to call it takeover insert city name here. We're just going to call it takeover 25. This is going to be coming to us from the Webster Arena oh, in Bridgeport, right. Connecticut. Well,
1: why aren't we calling it takeover Bridgeport? Well, because 25 stands out. It's a, it's a milestone. It's a it's a measuring stick for him. It's a great accomplishment.
0: It's a reschedule because of blood money That's what's going on This is takeover no, blood trying, money no,
1: You're just trying to twist this in every way Because you're so pissed that they moved it away Because of the, the Saudi show But 25 works, no, this is it. it It stands out You know, this is a quarter of a century Essentially, it, it's a great biosphere 25 works, this is our 25th one, baby
0: is, is this the same arena That they did Evolution? I don't think so Wasn't that in Connecticut? I thought it was in No, no, that was at Nassau, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, that's right.
0: So the Webster Arena in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Uh, Rick, this is entirely speculation. Um, but this is what I think your your card is going to look like for NXT TakeOver Bridgeport. Um, I think you're going to end up with a triple threat for the NXT Championship between Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole, and Matt Riddle. I think the North American Championship is going to be the Velveteen Dream versus Tyler Breeze. It seemed as though we were building to Dream versus Donovan Dijakovic, but I saw breaking news yesterday that Dijak had to have emergency surgery on his knee to repair a torn meniscus, which for a guy the size of Donovan Dijakovic is never a good thing.
1: Uh, Yes, Uh, doesn't sound good at all.
0: NXT tag team titles are vacant currently, so I'm assuming it's going to be a four-way match between all four tag teams in NXT right now, which are the Street Profits, the Forgotten Sons, the One-Two Punch, and the Undisputed Era. The NXT Women's Championship, it seems as though we're building to Shayna Baszler versus Io Shirai, and I assume that your one grudge match is going to be Kushida versus Drew Gulak, which will probably be the show
1: stealer. Okay, how many matches did you just list? That seemed like a lot. Five. Oh, okay. Just seem longer. Yep. No, because no. you have so many talents involved because we got different. We got the triple threat, the four corner.
0: Yeah, that, but okay. that—that's what it seems like. It's building to you. You know, I—I I always said that we have to have that takeover in between WrestleMania and SummerSlam because there's just that there's too long in between. We've been doing Takeover Chicago, Um, and that has worked out very, very well. This thing, it just—this doesn't feel takeover to me.
1: As I was just saying, you know, just no matter, you know, where it's where it's at, that doesn't matter. Uh, this card, it does seem very underwhelming. It just doesn't. And, and, well, and even especially for hey, we're going to go backyard to our disagreement here for something as number twenty-five. It seems like that should be a bigger, bigger bet for it. Hey, you know, they're in a reloading period right now.
0: Yeah, I guess it just it feels very very underwhelming all the way around. So let's talk about Raw and SmackDown is we kind of wrap this thing up. We're not talking a whole lot about Raw and SmackDown because there was not a whole lot to talk about. The Raw ratings recover a little. The SmackDown ratings recover a little. Raw up to 1.63 this week from 1.56 last week. 1.83 for the year to date. In 2018, that number was 2.26 to this point. And in 2017, 2.25. So they were steady in 17 and 18. And now we've seen the big drop off. That's pretty consistent. Smackdown numbers up to 1.46 from last week's 1.38, a 1.6 last year. So the wild card, That's, that's what everybody's talking about. Rick, this was all done for the Euro Tour. Uh, that, that's really what this was all about. And I don't even understand that because, as we all know, Card is subject to change. But evidently, they felt that they had to do this emergency kind of shake-up, not because the ratings were in the toilet, but because Roman Reigns was advertised for these shows over on the UK tour. This, it, it doesn't make any sense to me, man. Like, none of this makes any sense well, to y- me.
1: Well, you know, I'm not completely... I am not completely buying into that was the sole reason it's the UK tour because they could have gotten around that on their, on their own accord heading hard over to change. Well, even in that case, if they firmly believe that, that they needed Roman for those raw shows over there, then you could easily make that, you could easily make that move. Uh, it's not like this is a hard rule. That's draw, you know, a line drawn in the sand that you can't cross. You didn't have to change the entire narrative of what you've got going on simply because certain audiences over there have paid or you believe have paid solely to see Roman Reigns. Uh, you could have worked right around that. You could have just done it. Hey, you know, you could have come around and said this. We understand, you know, we, we really love our UK fan base. We understand, you know, we were advertising these things. You don't know what to expect during the shakeup. So we're, we're going to run special shows just while we're there. It's something unique for you. That's Okay. I, I firmly believe this has a lot more to do with them in a panic mode, but they don't want to just come right out and, and say it.
0: Now, even inside the narrative, Vince McMahon is just making shit up as he goes along. That's that's basically what they told us on Monday night. Even inside the narrative now, Vince is just making shit up as he goes along. That's pretty much what I took from the wild card rule. um, it, Because it starts off with three talents and... Elias doesn't count because he's with Shane. So anybody that's with Shane, you know, you can get on the show. And then, you know, we found out that it went to four talents because for some reason, Vince McMahon is scared of Lars Sullivan, um, which also didn't make any sense to me. There's a lot of gaffes throughout this show I thought WWE did do some really, really good stuff this week Like I thought Kofi Kingston had a really, really good week This is by far the best week that he has had as WWE Champion It was the first time he actually felt like he was the WWE Champion And we've established that he's now a fighting champion Defending the title both Monday and Tuesday I thought it was great the way that they pivoted Brian from the WWE Champion Championship into the SmackDown Live Tag Team Championships. I thought that was brilliantly done. Like Daniel Bryant is still important. He got his rematch with Kofi. We tied up that little loophole. We can bring back the wooden championships and get rid of those ugly ass blue straps on the Whoa. SmackDown tag belts. You know,
1: technically, they, they were already. They could have just moved away from Daniel Bryant. He didn't have to get a rematch. They got rid of that, remember? Valid. Valid, but it's, it's still a loophole. It wraps it up, it wraps it up for the fans. It but, wraps you know, it me, up. If you would have moved away from Daniel Bryan there, I mean, then you could have revisited that at any time down the road when you need another competitor for Kofi Kingston. Yeah. It, uh, right. But now you have to go through that story as Daniel having to work his way back through the singles to get to Kofi. Now, I'm I when that time comes because it, the, that tag division desperately needs those two with the, with the titles.
0: And I, I, I got to get this out there because not nearly enough people have seen this. Rick, did you see this promo that Daniel Bryan cut for WWE.com, the WWE.com exclusive, where he's talking about the tag division being a joke?
1: I have not seen it yet.
0: Oh, it's fantastic. I'm going to plug the audio in right here. Rowan,
5: Daniel, first off, congratulations on your victory. But I would be remiss if I didn't ask about the leather around your shoulders right now. Is that a joke? Is that a joke?
4: I think he's joking.
5: Yeah, yeah. cuz I mean, there's lots of, lots of joking around in the tag team division apparently. Like, like it's a joke. Like, I'm not gonna have these changed, All right? But speaking of jokes, and speaking of the tag team division, think of the Usos, right? What were they doing on Raw last night? Joking around as if the tag team division is some sort of joke. And what about heavy machinery? Joking around as if the tag team division is some sort of joke. And what about the New Day? Joking around like being the tag team champions is some sort of joke. You know, they talk about a women's evolution, about women main eventing WrestleMania. Do you know who's never talked about main eventing WrestleMania? It's the tag team division. And do you know why? Because for years, they've been led by jokers like the New Day, like the Usos, like heavy machinery. And they go out there and they do Thanksgiving turkey fights. And they'll do Halloween contests. You know what? We are not those kind of tag-team champions. And speaking of which, you know what? There's going to be a tag-team evolution. And this isn't going to be one dictated to us by the McMahons. No, this is going to be self-led, a self-led tag-team evolution. Because Kofi Kingston, the New Day, they never aspired to that. They never aspired to that level. Neither did the Usos. They were content to just be great tag teams. We're not content to just be great. We are going to be the greatest tag team of all time. We are going to main event WrestleMania as tag team champions. And we are going to aspire higher. And nobody, nobody is gonna stop the planet's tag
0: why isn't that on television? Put that on television and put it on television right now. That would have been the best promo on WWE TV all week.
1: Well, again, though, then they are uh, they're they're because the the percentage that have seen this video as opposed to those that are going to see it on television, it ultimately exposes WWE themselves.
0: Yeah, and it's 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 really really bad. Um as good of a week as it was for Kofi Kingston uh it was a very interesting week for Sami Zayn. And I don't know what in the hell to make out of Sami Zayn's week. So Monday he gets thrown in the trash. Literally thrown in the trash. Tuesday he gets a shot at the WWE championship. Like, it, it felt like what they did on Monday Night Raw was writing off the Sami Zayn character. That should have been the end of the Sami Zayn character as we know it. But this thing obviously still has a ton of legs to it. But now Sami Zayn smells bad and he gets a shot at the WWE Championship on
1: Tuesday? Well, but- and I love it, too. Uh, you know, he just... Sammy showed up because he had a feeling that AJ was going to be there. Oh, really? Maybe it was when AJ announced to the whole world that he was going to show up on, on SmackDown Live. But, again, you know, this, I was taking as that I was hoping, well, I thought it was kind of cheesy in itself. You know, I guess, you know, here at Cincinnati, we have our 9.30 p.m. trash pickup at our arenas, but perfectly scheduled there. But it, I thought it was the writing off the character, too. And this is a character that I cannot stand. Uh, and, it's, and it's not so, you know, I thought Sammy's been great in his delivery and how he presented it. But just at its very core, I mean, the basis around it is poking the bear of the audience to try to get them to hijack your shows, and you're, you know, kind of tell, you know, what you're smart, you don't know what you're talking about, the big middle finger. I guess they're trying to get that heat, but you're encouraging them to try to hijack your shows and change the direction of your, of your booking and your creative.
0: And let's talk a little bit about how bad that Sami Zayn segment was because there was a couple of things that they did throughout the show that was really, really good, and then they did this, right? So when Braun Strowman comes out, Sami Zayn takes off running through the crowd, okay? There just happens to be a cameraman standing in the crowd where Sami Zayn goes. What are the odds, right? Right? And then we get backstage and we have this whole like garage door scene and there's a cameraman on the other side of the garage door. Like, so now you not only want me to believe that we have cameramen just roaming around backstage, but we also have cameramen roaming around the outside of the building for no apparent freaking reason. And then we also have the, the trash thing. Like it just so happens that the, the garbage truck would arrive at that time. But it's just like the whole scene all the way around was just so bad. Yeah,
1: and it's, and it's, a, it's an issue of, I know you know, a lot of people you know are going to come to the defense of it. Like, well, we know it's a television show. They got to have it. Okay, then pick one. Acknowledge that cameras are there all the time or none of the time.
0: But then the the thing that just blows my mind is later we see the great camera work when it comes to the Miz and Shane thing. Like they under they explain the camera walking up to Shane McMahon, you know, that Charlie Caruso is just wandering around backstage and there's a roaming reporter camera crew following her. I thought it was absolutely hilarious when Miz goes running past Shane McMahon, even though the cameraman knows exactly where he is. That was just absolute British humor at its absolute finest. And then Shane McMahon standing there starts cutting a promo before he realizes, oh shit, I need to get out of here. And he takes off running and the camera, rather than cutting to another camera that just happens to be down in the parking garage, you get the camera shooting down so you can see what's going on from the same freaking camera like that's the way it should be shot that makes sense the good and the bad and i wonder
1: uh, it to ultimately that's got to be on the on who's producing the segment
0: yeah it's got to be i mean that's the only thing that makes any kind of logical sense and then they did probably the the worst thing that they could have done to seth rollins Seth Rollins, when he comes out and he gets in the ring with Vince McMahon and Vince McMahon says, you know, well, tonight we're going to have you two compete. And he explains that he wants the tag match with Seth and AJ and Seth Rollins looks Vince McMahon dead square in the face. And he says, no chance. There's no chance. I'm teaming with AJ Styles. And five minutes later, he's in a tag match with AJ Styles. He's your lead freaking babyface. He's supposed to be standing up to authority, not fucking bowing at their goddamn feet.
1: Did they did they happen to try to put over on commentary any reason why? Nope. Not, not, nothing that I saw because I didn't have the commentary on in the inside the in the box. And then
0: you bring out Baron fucking Corbin. And it's like all the good faith and all the excitement that you have built in that first half hour with that ridiculously long segment,
1: then you well, bring out
0: Baron fucking
1: Cork. You're putting over the genius and the brilliance of the shakeup. that anything can happen. So at that point, I mean you've got you had Daniel Bryan come back, huge pop. You, you have Kofi interject himself. You got it, you know, AJ there. You've had all these moments here to open the show. And who's the team that Vince sends out? Is the same channel changers that we've had week after week on Raw for months now. You know, I mean Lashley has been has been downgraded so bad and now just grouped in with this cancerous Corbin. It's kind of leached, you know, leached himself onto it. That's who you open with. I you know, I, I was kind of I was eager to see damn does he have somebody someone else here? We're gonna get some some maybe someone from NXT, maybe some throwbacks Someone from SmackDown, or maybe a mixed match. I expected the like the Viking
0: Raiders, or maybe like a returning AOP.
1: Like That's, That was the first thing I asked. I said, What's the timetable for the AOP for Shane Cumberbank? That was the first question I asked. And then I thought the War Raiders. Then I started thinking, you know, running through, you know, man, who, who could Vince, who could he persuade to come out here? If you really wanted to blow, if you could have Seth Rollins and And AJ Styles, I mean, man, if if you could have had, like, Samoa Joe on the other side of the ring, you know, just to you know travel in, like, send out Samoa Joe and Lars or something like that. It's something that would have been, oh, you had Drew McIntyre and Roman Reigns in there, and you're forcing people that that don't want to kind of coexist together in a tag team. What if you had Seth Rollins and AJ Styles versus Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre? You talk about an intriguing match that the people are going to tune in for. But, no, we get the same old bull crap. But we are talking about those little details, and I do want to give them some credit here. I do like that when Vince said, the matches you're going to tag. It's going to happen now that they took the time. He said, let me go to the back. I think I've got some guys lined up. So if this was all happening on the fly, I was expecting them to just hit the music, which would have been terrible. So at least they took a little bit there. Let me go find some guys real quick.
0: Uh, the, the other thing I hate about this is the way that we're framing this wild card thing because we have no idea how to frame the wild card thing in one breath you know they're saying that the talent has to be invited across brands and then on another breath they're saying that we're crashing the party like AJ just crashing the party and oh Smackdown how I miss you you know and it's like dude you've been gone for like two fucking weeks get the hell out of here and they, they they forgot that you were even on Monday Night Raw it just felt natural when AJ came walking. up. To kick off Smackdown Live I mean it just I, I, I almost want him to do Like the Amazing Race Like explain to me why would AJ Styles Want to work on his day off why is AJ Styles on SmackDown Live? What's so important that he is taking another day away from his family, the terrible dad that he is, as they tell us in the Wednesday locker room at hackerhameen.podbean.com. Why is he taking another day away from his wife and his boys and his little girl oh, you know, even to go that, to SmackDown?
1: What is so important on SmackDown for him? I mean, He should be focused squarely on you know winning the Universal Championship.
0: What if five guys show up at SmackDown? Only the first three through the curtain get—they're the, the only
1: ones that count. Well, why? Why should? Why should any of this make sense in itself? I mean, because even inside the shakeup, they don't—they didn't understand what was going on. So, I mean, how the hell are they going to explain this to us? Uh, again, again, I think you know. Ultimately, we can look at Panic on ratings. Uh, we got the UK tour. I still stand by in my belief that this entire thing goes away before the fall.
0: All right, let's wrap things up with a couple of positive notes, and I know that's going to surprise you with the last topic on the run being Lacey Evans. But let's let's talk about a couple of positive things.
1: Well, I got one more negative. Then you actually didn't do any business for the Men's Money in the Bank this week.
0: No, really, just Ricochet. That's really the only thing that was paid any kind of business. They got
1: him a win, but he didn't have any involvement with the other individuals. None of the individuals, especially on Monday. I'm trying to think the two, well, and, and but none of them had any interaction with each other.
0: Well, and perhaps you missed some of this because you were you were there live, and a lot of this I think was put over on commentary. Okay. The reason that Ricochet and Robert Roode happened is because wins and losses matter. That was probably the best thing they did on WWE TV this week because Robert Roode was angry that Ricochet was announced for the Money in the Bank ladder match because he beat Ricochet the week before the announcement happened. So this match was actually for Ricochet's spot in the Money in the Bank ladder match. Okay, see, I
1: didn't know. I didn't have that inside where... Yep. From my vantage point.
0: If Robert Roode had won, he would have replaced Ricochet inside of the ladder match. So they have established once again that wins and losses matter on WWE TV. We need more
1: of that. We're talking about them going back to the, the opening of this show. This match is where the crowd died. Why the hell didn't they announce that? Make that a big deal in the live arena? Why didn't get Robert Roode cut a
0: freaking promo that accused Ricochet of being unworthy of being it like you could have built heat for this and then paid it off later on on the
1: show right yeah we got none of that so this was the match this was the match where the crowd died
0: and that's awful because it was probably the best thing they did on WWE TV all week but it was just you guys didn't know the story because they didn't tell it to (sighs) you That's frustrating. Let's talk about Lacey Evans. Oh, Lacey Evans. I will put Lacey Evans over this week because Lacey Evans still presents herself like a star. She hasn't been defined down inside the booking yet, and she has that swagger to her. The thing I didn't like about this segment was why in the world all the other women would go along with whatever Lacey wanted them to do. That part was very, very unclear to me, like why Naomi would go and put on a dress and come out just because Lacey Evans told her to. That part I didn't necessarily understand, but I do like the visual of Lacey Evans being in the ring with the rest of the women on the floor. Lacey is elevated above everybody else like they are presenting Lacey Evans like a star and now while I don't think that that talent deserves the place that they are putting her this is how you build new stars like they do still have it in them there are ways to do it I just think that they're picking the wrong talent to do it with
1: I could get where they would come out there and it was kind of okay. We'll play. We'll play your little game now. But you're you're kind of on notice that if you happen, if you would win that championship, that one of us is coming for you. I, I get that a little bit. I don't know why you would maybe go to the extent of like actually going and changing your clothes for the situation. Uh, another thing to put over this, I, I love Lacey in it too. You know, I mean, she she is carrying herself that persona. She is crushing it. She is absolutely crushing it. One other thing in this segment that really stood out to me. I loved it. And I was looking around, and I was said, "Wait a minute." I said, "Oh, wait, they got this right." Uh, Becky comes in, you know the the kind of the girls let her do her thing. She's on the mission, and they're over there brawling on the other side of the ring. Dana, Naomi, and Natalia all run over to that side of the action. Bliss didn't budge. She <laughs> wasn't playing along. She stood right where she was at at the bottom of the ramp. She you know- didn't budge. she she stuck to her guns. You know, she was out there. To say hey you know what I'm going to win money In the bank and whoever is the champ If it's Lacey or if it's Becky I'm going To once again be successful In cashing in
0: Well and that's the one Thing that I wish I could beat into Like if if they would give me like 30 Seconds with WWE talent And say tell them One thing to like change This show and make it better I want every talent to question Would my character Do that that's all that it takes. Like, there's no way that the Alexa Bliss character would go running over and get involved in that. It's it's, it's ingeniously and, smart. And
1: someone had the sense to say Bliss would not do that.
0: And I'm guessing it was probably her. You know, and, and there's certain talents that get that. Is there anything else that she wanted to talk about in WWE this week? Because that's all I got,
1: man. Maybe maybe it was Dana Warrior and her influence. Oh, get the fuck. Out. <laughs> i got it. that's i'm good on it man
0: i guess really the only other thing that i will put over is i i, I do like how they're framing alistair black i just wish that it wasn't so i don't I, I don't even know what it is but there's something about it that just feels off
1: i don't know fair why enough it, be interesting to see where uh where this this kind of takes in post money in the bank
0: well, I mean, because they're trying to do the whole no man is ever truly good and no man is ever truly evil. I, I get that. And I understand what they're trying to do with the character. I'm just not sure that it's clicking. Like, the Bray Wyatt character is absolutely clicking. Like, you, you get the feeling that they want you to feel from it. And all I'm feeling with Alistair Black is so... Like it, it feels unfinished. Like there's yeah, well, no. Point. I wonder.
1: I wonder if the reason it isn't clicking is because, although it's in, diff- in completely different lights, it's a very similar message to what Bray is doing. Yeah, and they're running those side by side.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't yet, please hit that subscribe button. Then visit us at hittingthemarks.com to catch the entire HTM podcast network in our little Island of misfit toys. Then head over to hacker Drop them a subscribe. So you can catch Huckleberry and I this Monday, maybe Sunday in the locker room at hacker Visit our buddies over at the as they're presenting a whole New take on the pro wrestling landscape. Last word on pro wrestling.com for all your pro wrestling news. You can find me across all social media platforms at not jargo rbv Where do the peeps, the freaks, and most specifically the geeks find you?
1: You know, speaking of when the Monday locker room drops, you see we're getting a a little bit of flack from the Wednesday guy saying that our show is getting later and later. I just like to remind them and anyone that might be uh, kind of lining themselves with that train of thought, uh, it would be really nice if all we had to cover was red and blue. We had a fixed little record time of Tuesday at 10, 10 Eastern. Uh, but no, that's not our gig here. You know, when it comes to the Hitting Mark Pro Wrestling Podcast and what the, the content you're getting Monday in the locker room, it truly is from around the world of professional wrestling. And that means, yes, that means sometimes we got to wait until later on Monday because we might have an event on Sunday night that we need to that we need to review. Or even we might have something that happens in the early, the early, early hours of Monday. If it's New Japan and that thing is, is getting done, you know, running from 4 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern. Yeah, it's going to take us a little bit of time, but that's what you get with quality. It's worth waiting for.
0: That's what she said. We'll talk to you Monday in the locker room for now. We're off like a prom dress. Say up Point
5: your fingers. Label me. I don't, I don't give, give up. up. your back on! they in the blame on me. I smell
0: self-righteousness. That's
4: the bad guy.
5: Oh. Try pinning the blame on me. I smell self-righteousness. That's
0: the bad guy. Boom.
5: At home with you last night, I'll be your
3: bad guy.